Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me in your Bible to two openings. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, hold your place there and turn then to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, I was uh, ministering from this verse last Sunday morning. And uh, in Ephesians 4, we were looking, we won't go through all of the verses we were looking at. We'll just pick up in the 16th verse. And it says, from whom the whole body, that's from Christ, Christ from whom the whole body, Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You know, there's, God edifies us, the word edifies us, praying in the spirit edifies us. But a lot of these, and in fact, I guess all of these are contingent upon what we do. We have to put the word in us for it in order for it to edify us. We have to pray in the spirit. We have to make the decision to pray in the spirit in order to be edified. But there's something here else talking about the edifying of the body. Not just edifying of the individual, but an edifying of the local body. How is the local body edified? That word edified, you recall, means to build up. Mean, edified doesn't mean to give you a tingly feeling. That's not what edify means. Edify means to build you up, to make you strong. Well, there is something that causes growth in the body. There's something that causes the body to grow spiritually, to be built up and to be edified. And this verse tells us what it is. It says that the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. So there is the supply that every person brings to the local body. Every believer, every member of a local church has a supply for that church. I'm going to say that again because I want that to, to settle down in your, in your thinking for a minute. Every believer, every member, every uh, regular person, if you call this your church, you have a supply from the Spirit of God, not just for any old place, but for this body. The supply that God gives you, now I'm not saying you don't have a supply for where you work because you do. You, God, God ministers through us in, in all aspects of our life. Yeah, yeah. But there is a supply that God has for the local church. Yeah. Amen. And every one of us has a supply. He talks about uh, what every joint supplies. Now, now think about that. Every joint needs to supply its supply. Every joint needs to bring its supply. If it doesn't, there's going to be some missing supply. There's going to be a deficiency in the supply to the body. You get that? So every joint supplies something according to the effective working. Effective working. You know, it matters 
that you have a supply, it matters that you bring a supply. It also matters that you matters that you are effective in your work, in in the supply that you bring. Being effective means to cooperate and to work with other people, or you will not be effective. You cannot be effective by yourself. Greg is just giddy over his, the access he has to his thumb. He came in my office on Friday. He said, look at there. You know, he said, I can move it. He's moving it more today. He said, I can move it a little bit. And so it's amazing how, you know, just being immobilized for those weeks, how you just can't move it. Well, in order to exercise that thumb and to get it to move, he had to, he had to use muscles all down in his, in, in the lower, you know, your, your thumb is actually fairly long, goes, the bone goes down in here. So you, all of this is involved, the muscles, the tendons in his hand, his wrist, his, his neurological system to send signals from his brain to cause his thumb to move. All of that is effective working, effective working by all of those parts doing its share. So all of us need to be effective. And when his thumb was immobilized, his entire hand was rendered somewhat ineffective. Because like he said this morning, things you can't do, you can't grasp like you need to without your thumb. So when, when people are bringing their supply to the church, don't just bring your supply with the attitude, well, this is my supply and this is just how I do it. Well, be effective at it, though. Amen. Learn to be effective. And we'll get into more of this as we go along, more detail on that. Uh, Every part doing its share. This is what we were talking about last week when we we left. Every part does its share. That means every part has a share. Couldn't do your share if you didn't have a share. Every part has a share, and every part is to do its share. Now, we all grew up as children, learning to do our share. Do our share around the house. Do our share at school. Do our share on, on, on the ball team, play at recess, whatever it was. Do your share. Whatever, if there's a project and you're involved in it, do your share. Everybody has a share. All of us grew up. Every single person in this building has, has experienced People with them and with you who did not do their share. And you really, really appreciated it, didn't you? Didn't that just warm your heart when you were on a ball team and and people just, we know, wouldn't do their share? When you were doing a special class project and everybody's, you know, just all in and there's one bozo kid over there, he just won't do his work, won't do his share. Doesn't that just warm your heart? No, it doesn't. Well, it doesn't warm God's heart when we don't do our share. And sometimes it doesn't warm your pastor's heart. And you know, it doesn't warm your department director's heart. It doesn't warm the, the head usher's part, uh, the head usher when you don't do your part. Amen. All of the departments in the church, every part doing its share. Now, go with me to... Uh, Romans, the the, uh, 12th chapter, and this is another verse we were looking at uh, right toward the end of the message on uh, last Sunday. 
Verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you. Again, how many would that, uh, would that apply to? Is anybody in here left out? To everyone. From the far left row to the far right row and all the way to the doors. And next door. And in the classrooms. And in the parking lot. And those in bed right now. <laughs> Amen. Amen. For I say through the grace given to me, Paul said, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly or reasonably, uh, realistically, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And he goes on to talk about each one of us uh, are members of the body, but each one of us have a different function. We all don't have the same function. The measure of faith that he's talking about here is, now you can apply it to faith in general, but in the context, he's talking about the faith that it takes to operate in your function. Everyone is dealt, who dealt it? God. God deals to each one of us a measure of faith. Now that measure of faith can increase. That measure of faith should should increase. That measure of faith is expected to increase. Remember the 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 uh, story that Jesus told about uh, the the different ones that took the talents, and that talent, you know, was a, was actually a coin, and uh, one took his his. Ten talents, and he traded it and gained ten more talents. Another one, same thing with five. One man only received one talent, and he hid it in the ground, hid it in the sand. Why did he do that? Probably because he looked at the others, and they had five and ten. He probably felt, well, I'm not even important. This is nothing. I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed. So he hid it in the sand. In other words, he buried it. He didn't do anything with it. And when the Lord returned, he, he, he called on the servants to give an account. And one said, I traded 10, got 10 more. One said, I traded five, got my five more. To both of them, he said, well done. He came to the man with the one talent and he said, what have you done? He said, well, I knew you were a, 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 a hard and austere man. And, uh, and I, I was afraid and I hid my talent in the ground. How many, how many remember that didn't turn out very good for him? He was cursed. He was rejected. Every one of us is dealt a measure of faith. That measure of faith is like that, that gold talent that, or that silver talent or that, that, that gift that God puts on the inside of you. It's precious. And we're expected to do something with it. Because there is coming a day. There is coming a day. All Christians, all believers one day are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible says to give an account of the things done in the body, whether good or bad. There's going to be an accounting one day. And we need to be able to return the Lord, the talent, the measure of faith. And look what else I accomplished. Look what else, look how this grew. Look how I was able to work and, and grow and become, and become more effective. And, and that's what we're all waiting on. We're all waiting on well done, good and, good and faithful servant. Isn't that right? Well, praise the Lord. 
He said, uh, we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We pointed this out that, uh, you know, we, we take this scripture sometimes and we divorce it from its, we, we, there's a temptation to do that with a lot of scriptures. Kind of take an idea, a concept, because it, it kind of uh, appeals to our mind and it kind of, you know, resonates out here in some other uh, context than what it's written in. And sometimes that's okay. But we always should look at the word in its context. So when he's talking about not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think, it's not, it's not just talking about being a snob. Being stuck up, having your nose in your air, in, in the air, thinking you're somebody. It's, it's, now that would be true, but that's really, it's really not talking about that. It's talking about our place in the body. That's the whole context. That we're all members of one another. We all have a measure of faith to, to, to operate in our, in our, the function that God has assigned to us. We all have a share. We all have, uh, 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 what did I say? A, a share. A supply. A supply. I'm looking for that other word, supply. We all have a supply. We all have a share. To think of yourself more highly than you ought to think is to refuse to bring your share. Let some other, let selfishness in some way prevent you from bringing your supply. And that happens in a lot of different ways. Well, you know, I I don't want to be too involved. You know, if I really make a, a real commitment, you know, then... You know, I, I'm not going to be able to stay out when I want to, you know, go to the beach when I want to. Listen, you, you, we have around here something called vacation planning. Now, I know it's a new concept, but, but we developed it in our church, you know. I know you've never heard of it before. No, everybody that works in our church, we have opportunities to make vacation planning. Just let us know when you're going to be somebody. We'll, we'll sub for you. Amen. Uh, it's really selfishness. It's really... Thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think is being selfish where the work of the church is concerned. He said, don't do that. That's not good. Amen. So uh, every part does its share. Now, let's read on down. And we, we ended with verse 3. Let's continue verse 4. We're going to go down to verse number 6. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts, notice it doesn't read if you have gifts. It says having then gifts. That's, that's stating uh, a fact that's, uh, that is identifying the truth that all of us have gifts. He's already said to every one of us, grace has been given. Having then gifts Differing according to the grace that is given, not might be given, given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. That's pretty straightforward. I mean, that's the, that doesn't take great revelation to understand that. Having then gifts according to the grace that's given to you, then use them. But the question comes up, how can I, how can I determine what my gifts are? That's the, that's the million dollar question right there. How do I know? How do I determine? Well, I can tell you this. You're never going to discover your gift by sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> You'll never 
You'll never, I'm going to say it, I could, I could say it all day long. You'll never, 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 never discover what your gifts are by doing nothing or by waiting to see what it is. Why? Well, go back up to verse number two. And remember, all of this is, is, is context. All of these verses are related to one another. Very often, you know, I did a, I did a series several uh, weeks or months back about on verses one and two, about presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. Well, presenting your body a living sacrifice, uh, we were talking about it from the standpoint of being holy and separated unto the Lord. But, but look at the context of the rest of the chapter. We bring our, bringing our supply and doing our part and, and bringing our share. That is well, as well is, is presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. I don't always want to be here. Sometimes I don't, when I get here, I don't want to stay. But I put my flesh under... I present my body as a living sacrifice. It's all, it's all interrelated. And I talked, you know, in, in this series of, of, of a few months ago, do not be conformed to this world, acting like the world, living like the world, thinking like the world, taking the world's philosophies. Do not be conformed to this world. But, but you know, selfishness is being, for, is, is being conformed to this world. Not willing to participate, not willing to bring, being, being interested in you more than anybody else. Well, praise the Lord. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, here's the part that I wanted you to see. That we may, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, very often we take that and we apply it to, to God's will, you know, for our lives, you know, whether we're going to, you know, be an engineer, whether we're going to go into the ministry. Well, you know, it applies to that, but it applies to these other things as well. In, in trying to figure out or f- trying to discover what your gifts are, I said, number one, you're never going to find out by doing nothing. Because right. God, you know, have you noticed God doesn't, God never rewards nothing. <laughs> you ever notice that? There's, we've already talked about this morning. You, you, you reap what Steve talked about. You reap what you sow or Greg, Pastor Greg, you have to sow something. He doesn't, he doesn't have any corn growing in his yard because he's never put any corn in his yard. He's never sown any corn. That law of seed time and harvest is, is in the earth. God put it in the earth when he created the earth. And it's not just an earthly thing. It's a spiritual law all through all of creation. That you reap only what you sow. You cannot not sow and expect to reap. Amen. So you cannot expect to find out what your gifts are by waiting on God. God has, you have to do something. Said, so, but yeah, but Pastor, that, that sounds like we just find any old thing to do. That's exactly what I mean. Find any old thing to do. Why? Because doing any old thing is better than doing nothing. Remember, we talked about the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. 
That's three different levels or degrees of God's will. We talked about the fact that uh, when a person gets saved, it's good that they find a church. Now, I'm talking about, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, an actual Bible-believing church. You know, not just, you know, a cult church, but a Bible-believing church. Any church would be good. As long as they teach the new birth, salvation, I mean, you know, the essentials, that would it'd be good. That might not be the church God has for that new convert, but it beats staying at home. You'll at least hear the salvation message. You'll, you'll at least hear some doctrine. You might get some wrong doctrine, but you'll get a lot of good doctrine. So the good, there, there is a will of God that's just on the good level. It, it's, it's a start. Well, find some place in the church where you can serve and that'll be good. That'll be good. That'll be the good will of God. And that's, that's what I mean by if you don't ever lift your hand, you'll never move. You won't even be in the, you've got to get in the good will of God and anything that you can do would be good, but you have to get in it. You have to start somewhere. You'll move in the local church just like in life. You'll move from the good to the accept. Now, acceptable is better than good. It's not perfect. There's the perfect will of God. There's something less than that that's the acceptable will of God. God will allow you to stay in this realm. God's not going to, it's not acceptable just to stay in the good will of God. The good will of God is not acceptable as a life choice. The good will of God is not acceptable as a career. Just to stay, I got this little job over here, you know, and that, that way I can check it off. I'm serving in the church. That's good, but it's not acceptable. See the difference? No, God wants you to become effective in the working. And when you're effective in the working in your part, opportunity will present itself to do something else, to take on more responsibility. So the first thing is to, is to know that you, you're not going to start out in the, in the perfect will of God. That's generally what people are wondering whether, well, what is my gift? What they really want to know is what is the perfect will of God? What is my ultimate birth, B-E-R-T-H, my ultimate place where God has that? What, how do I find it, Lord? You don't start there. Nobody starts there. What is my gift? Well, get, start the journey. Start the journey of finding out. And you start that journey by serving. Amen. Hallelujah. So get involved. First of all, qualify yourself. That stops a lot of people right there. They want to get involved as long as they don't have to qualify. As long as you don't have to meet any qualifications, just do what they do. Just, you know, just, there, there are some qualifications, just some basic, I mean, even in the goodwill of God, even in the starting places, there's still qualifications. You know, you, if you're going to, if you're going to serve in the, in, in, in a place of ministry in the church, you can't come in on Sunday morning smelling like, smelling like you just had, you know, smoked a six pack. That's not a six, six pack is what you drink. <laughs> Smoked a pack. How many cigarettes in a pack? 20? I think I remember there was 20 when I was smoking. 
smoking, <laughs> smoking a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> it's kind of, what? I'm sorry. Yeah, c- cigarettes of any kind. <laughs> so, so there's a qualification. Yeah. You have, to, you have to qualify. You have to do something to clean yourself up. So well, I don't, you know, I feel like this is fine. The way I live is fine. Well, uh, it, it may be fine if, if you were by yourself. <laughs> and if and there wasn't a body that you were supposed to participate in. But, but if there's a body, you have to, you ha- and you want to you uh, uh, find your place and find your gifts. You have, to, you have to make some changes. This involves some sacrifice. It might involve submitting your body as a living sacrifice. When I first started attending church, you know, I, I looked far out. I dressed in far out looking clothes, you know, hippie clothes. And you've seen pictures, you know, I, I looked just like that. And, uh, you know, I had... Uh, this was in 1970, late 72, early 73. And, and you know, that kind of that look, that, that, that uniform that we wore, you know, because we're all conforming to something, you know. But that, that look and that lifestyle, it was not, it was not mainstream yet. And uh, I came into a church that was very mainstream. It's a church I grew up in and I knew. First Sunday I went back. But you know what? I this is me now. This is how I am. This is what I look like. This is how I act. This is how I dress. And 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 I, you know, I remembered this scripture from my youth that God does not look that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the. That was my golden rule. I'm going to add that just just about like this, you know. And so if somebody said something about the way, the way I looked, I said, "Brother, now, you know, that's just superficial." God doesn't look, you know, the man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You know, you, you, you're, you're tripping me out here with all your laws and stuff, you know. I mean, I, I wore that, you know, as, as a shield. And I got into the church and everybody accepted me. So it's okay. They accepted me. They, you know. And then there were some other young people that had started attending church that I didn't know. There's a couple of guys from the naval base that were there, and they, they, you know, when they weren't at the naval base, they looked like me. But when they, I'm sure when they were on base, they didn't look like me. But uh, several young men and women, and uh, we all looked like that. We all had real long hair, you know, shoulder-length hair, and that was long. Uh, wore wild-looking clothes, you know, tie-dyed clothes, and not just tie-dyed, but some that were bought in the in the stores, but they were, you know, kind of wild colored patterns, you know, and stuff. And, and, uh, I wore a headband to church, leather braided leather headband. Cause I had my hair like Christians here. It was parted in the middle, long, a little bit longer than that. And I wore this, you know, and my hair's wavy, see? And so I'd get it, I get it long enough. It would pull those waves out. And that's cause I didn't like it, but I had to, I had to part my hair and then pull it behind my ear. You know, and then wear a headband, and that kind of kept this from being curly, and and the rest was long enough that it pulled the waves out. And uh, now I didn't have 
I'm not sure what else I wore. I mean, I wore blue jeans, bell bottoms. Everybody wore bell bottoms. They were mainstream then. Bell bottom jeans and uh, sandals, leather sandals. And I had a, you know, a belt, leather belt that had marijuana leaves embossed all the way around, you know, painted, you know, green and, you know, brown belt. And uh, so I came to church looking like that. Well, you know, that didn't qualify me. As long as I looked that way, I didn't know this right away. It was several months. But my wife and I both had been raised just, we, it was drilled into us. Not just, it wasn't drilled into us, just by example. We saw it. If you're, working, if you're going to be in a church, you get involved. Everybody in our families were involved. My family, her family, parents, uh, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, everybody did something. So, you know, pretty soon I, I, I realized, you know, I, I, I want to help. I want to help in this church. Well, you know, 72, 73, you couldn't get involved looking like that. And it'd be like, you come to church today, in our day. People are, are kind of loose and, you know, there's all kinds of styles. But, you know, if you come to church looking like a caveman, <laughs> and your hair's all out, you got a beard out to here, and, you, you know, you're dirty and you smell. Nobody's going to want to leave their children in the nursery with you. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh my God, let's get out of here. They've got insane people in this church. Isn't that right? If you're going to serve, you're going to have to make some sacrifice. And so I started making sacrifice. And I started, the hair started getting a little shorter. I started blow drying it to get it, because the shorter it got, I needed it straight. I didn't like it, you know. So I blow dry my hair. I'd part my hair on one side and blow it that way and then turn it over the other and do all kind of antics to get my hair straight. You curly-headed people know what I'm talking about. And uh, I started wearing more fashionable clothes. They were still fashionable for the day, but they weren't like, you know, like I had been wearing. And uh, I just started cleaning up. Now, there were several of us in the church. I'm spending a little time on this, but there's a lesson here. There were several of us young men in the church who all looked the same. We all came out of the same, you know, environment. All started coming to church. And these, these other guys, I know two of them in particular, the Dunning brothers, John and David, they weren't raised in church. I mean, they, they, as children, they went to the Methodist church, I think, but they, they didn't, weren't raised in church, didn't go, you know, as, as young people. And uh, they came out of the same environment I did, looked like I did, long hair, weird clothes, you know. Me, John, David, Ralph, Gardner. We all started gradually. It didn't happen overnight. But we just started conforming so that... And I remember distinctly, I remember my rationale. I want to serve. I want to help. Nobody came to me and said, Son, you need to clean yourself up, boy. Nobody did that. I just had enough sense to know nobody's asking me to serve. There must be a reason. And uh, so I started cleaning myself up. John and David did the same thing. We, you know, our hair got shorter. We started wearing uh, clothes that were more appropriate, more mainstream. I eventually started wearing a tie, wearing a dress shirt and a tie. Now, these were the days in the, in the mid-70s and in the uh, uh, disco era. 
And I started wearing those big old tall platform shoes. And not the big bell bottoms, but flares were still in, flared bottom pants. And they were polyester, 100% polyester, plaid. And I'm not kidding. I had, I had, I had neckties are this wide. I mean, because that was, that was the style, you know. So I started dressing this way and it was still youthy. It was still kind of, you know, cutting edge, but it wasn't like I, like I did look. And you know what? I had opportunities to serve. Now I said that to say this, there were some other friends. I won't call their names, but uh, because people listen to this. Some of my ex-friends listen, I'm my old friends listen to my messages today. I'm not calling names, but there were some other guys that didn't clean up. I remember this one guy, he'd come to church, he had real long hair. And I knew him, you know, from high school, but we weren't really friends. And I, he was in the church then, real long hair, just dressed wild. And he carried a flute to church. Now, he was not, huh? What? Yeah, I said he, he, he wasn't, he, he, he was wanted to pretend he was like he was Jethro Tull, but he wasn't. He was not a flautist, okay? He just carried this flute and he would play it, you know, when we were goofing off, he'd play. And uh, he and some others, they didn't change at all. Never changed. Didn't change. And you know, I didn't care. It didn't bother me because I liked, I looked that, that way and wanted to look that way again if we could, you know, so it didn't bother me. So we were all buddies. We were all pals. We we're all reading the same material. You know, we got a hold of Brother Hagen's books and we started reading them and started getting a hold of cassette tapes by Kenneth Copeland and Brother Hagen and Fred Price and John Osteen and Norval Hayes and, 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 and uh, you know, all of these people and feeding on the word and getting built up. We, be, we began to, to change and guess what? We started getting more and more responsibility. Started taking over things, you know, little departments and stuff in the church. I started teaching and uh, before long, you know, I, I moved from the junior boys because I wasn't very effective there, but I st- I, they didn't get my revelations, you know. And so, and now listen, when I taught out of E.W. Kenyon for the junior boys, I did it with permission. I wasn't being rebellious. I was given permission to not use the Sunday school literature, but to use my own. So I, I, did, I got that approval. But uh, I ended up teaching the adults, the men's fellowship. Well, I don't, I don't remember what we called it, but there was a men's fellowship group. And uh, we would get, the, get together periodically, and I'd minister to that group. I'm teaching the Word of God. I, I, I started, I ended up uh, taking over the Wednesday night service, sort of opening and closing the service and leading it, you know. I was taking responsibility. I eventually was elected to the Church and Pastors Council. That was sort of like the, the, the local board of the church, you know. And, and uh, so these other men and I, we were all growing and all going through the same process, metamorphosis, Letting what was on the inside begin to show up on the outside. That's what that word transformed means. These other brothers didn't do it. I've been pastoring for 42 years. John uh, has uh, retired about two years ago, pastoring for over 30 years. He's started pastoring again. He's come out of retirement. David is still pastoring almost 42 years. Ralph is not a pastor, but he teaches in a church. He's a, he's a lay minister and helps another friend of mine, Danny O'Neill, who was also in the church at the time. He's, he helps him in his church. What I'm saying is those of us who were willing to submit 
willing to change, willing to put our desires and what we thought was best and right for us aside so that we could be a blessing to somebody else? What was that? That was no longer thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to. God has used us. The other guys. Now, maybe they weren't called to ministry. I'm not, you know, but I'm just saying they're not, they're not even in church. Well, praise the Lord. So qualify yourself. Meet the, there are qualifications for the departments. Find out what they are and qualify yourself. Well, I'm free, brother. I don't believe, you know. Well, you know, you're not. You're not free. You're not free to, to do your own thing. We had somebody when, we, when, when COVID came. We wanted all of our you know, people in certain departments to wear masks because it was just necessary. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to wear a mask. So we said, you know, this and well, fine, then you just can't serve. So they, you know, quit coming to church. So they, they loved their freedom to not wear a mask more than serving the body. Because we needed them. They were in a place where they were needed. But they checked out because I'm not wearing that mask. Well, you know, I'll wear a mask on the front and the back if I have to. What difference does it make? If that's what it takes... Put your selfish interest aside. Amen. Qualify yourself and I'm going to close there. Amen. And we'll get back to this next time. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, this is not a usual Sunday morning message except for me. It's kind of usual for me. But uh, these things are important. We need to know what, uh, what God expects Because God wants each one of us to move from the good to the acceptable, but don't stay there, into the perfect will of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. The things of tomorrow are determined by actions today. Your place in the future depends upon what you do today. Take time to reflect on your own heart and your own will. Submit yourself to the master and he will make something of you that you could not do for yourself. He will transform you into someone who is a great blessing. And when the end of days of your life arrive, you'll be able to look back and see all whom you've touched and all the good that you've done. And it started by just submitting your heart to him. So yield yourself unto the spirit. Yield yourself unto the will and the plan of God by getting in a place of service. Moving from selfishness into selflessness. Moving from a place of of interested only in what is important to you to becoming interested in what's important to others. And you'll see my hand rest upon you mightily and I'll move you from here to there, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Samatadea, Samatadea, Samatadea. 
And there's more. There's more than you can imagine. There's more that affects your life than the things that you visually and consciously choose. For by yielding to the Spirit and putting others ahead of yourself, you'll find your body responds. You'll find not only is the will of God worked out in the church, but also in your health, also in your finances, also in your family affairs, because all of the things in life are governed by spiritual forces. And when you submit yourself to me in one area, it spreads across all of the ways that I can bless and reach into your life. So do not think it's a small thing. Realize that it's a big thing to listen to your heart and to obey the will of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Well, babaha, 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 sapapaladea, papephaladeasia, sacephala vedekia, soko oto oretetea shetre disastafra dandasaya. Ah, the day of blessing, the day of harvest, the day when the fruit is grown and the yield comes in and you sit back and all who know you see and recognize your increase. All who know you see and recognize what God has done. You not only bring glory to your own self in the sense that you've well done, you bring glory to me, says the Lord, because others will see what I've done. Not what you've done, but what I've done through you. And in the end, I get the praise. If you stay where you are, you cut that off and you rob me of the glory that will one day accrue. So yield yourself to me and see what I will do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, the Lord is good, isn't he? Amen. His mercy endures forever. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, why don't we stand? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are you glad you came this morning? We've had a wonderful time in the Lord today. Rejoicing the presence of the Lord from the very, I mean, from the very first chord this morning was evident, wasn't it? Presence of God. Hallelujah. I tell you, there's nothing like the presence of God. The the heart of the believer longs for that touch from heaven. The, his, his presence when it's manifested. Glory to God. He, he said, I will walk among you. I will live among you. And walk. When, that's, that's what that's talking about. When he's walking among us. That's when his presence is in manifestation. And you see, it, it happens. We're all in here right now enjoying this. And we've enjoyed this service. But you know what? There were people who served. People who served. In this service, people who serve, people who serve with the buckets, people who serve with the lights and the video and recording and the sound, people that, that serve in this auditorium, people that serve in those classrooms so that we don't hear all this noise all serve, service long. They're taking care of our kids. All of this presence of God comes about because somebody 
served. And I guarantee you there's not a person here who serves in these, in these various ministries that doesn't have to give and sacrifice something to do it. What are you sacrificing? What are you giving? What are you sacrificing? How much, how much more of his presence do you think we could have? If everybody was serving And everybody was qualifying themselves. And no one was thinking of themselves and what was important to them. But were thinking of how can I be a blessing. What do you think would happen? What do you think would happen to the church? Well, we know what would happen. The body would be, the body would grow. And would be built up and be edified. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, the strength of your body, the perceived strength, the feeling of wellness. If you can relate that to the the sense of God's presence in the the local church. That sense of wellness and and vitality in your body is hindered when, when you have parts of your body that don't work. Isn't that right? It, it hinders your overall sense of... Of well-being, your overall sense of vitality, your just how you feel. Not to say you've got a, a bad leg; that leg may be sore, but it, it given time, your whole body weakens because you're not active and you're not doing, and you, you don't feel right. Well, the church is edified and and is strengthened and, and made strong and built up. Not just in the, in the areas of the individual parts, but as a, as a body, the sense of wellness, the sense of God's presence, of his fullness, of his blessing. Oh, glory to God. It's all related. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the opportunities that you give us to serve. The opportunities, Father, that, that you make available for us to start somewhere. Just start doing something. There are opportunities, Lord, all around us. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that I took advantage of some simple opportunities. Just some, they didn't seem like a whole, a whole lot and didn't seem like they were all that important. They were just small things. I thank you, Father, that you led me to just make some changes and put my own interest aside so that I could do something, just a little something. I thank you for that, Father. I thank you, Lord. It was the start of something wonderful, something way beyond anything I ever could have imagined. To your glory, to your honor, to your praise, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you for it. I thank you. I thank you, Father. I thank you. All of us thank you, Father, for how this has played out in our lives, what you've done for us. So much of our blessing, we all know it comes by your grace and your mercy, but all of your blessing is also tied to reaping something that's been sowed. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Lord. 
We've reaped it in our families. We've reaped it in our lives, Father. Glory to God. (laughs) Lord just reminded me, and there's more reaping to come. Because we're still sowing, there's more reaping to come. There's more out there to come. There's more reaping ahead. There's more reaping ahead. Somebody needed to hear that. There's more reaping ahead. God's not finished with you. And the blessings that you've seen in your life up to this point... Do not reflect all that God can do and all that he plans to do. He has plans for you. He has plans for your life. Some of which you've had a glimpse of and you've seen and you know a little bit because the spirit shows you things to come. But there are a lot of things out there that God has planned for you that you haven't even thought of yet. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Woo! Glory to God. That excites me. (laughs) Glory to God. He's not finished. We've all, we all raise our hands. Oh, God's been good. We ain't seen nothing yet. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.